listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And you're seeing that there's conversations among members, Republicans and Democrats. I think there's a bubbling up that individual members want to be empowered. And look, you might win some, you might lose some, but at least you get a shot. Because that's why I ran for office, is to advocate for the people of my state to try to, you know, put this country in the best position possible. In the- well, there's Eric Schmidt, Senator Eric Schmidt. He joins us now on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And uh, Senator Schmidt, welcome to the program. Lots of uh, talk, lots of consternation going on with this uh, this spending cliff that we're facing again. Uh, yes, for sure. By the way, can I just point out, um, the music you guys have on hold is great. So, like, when you're waiting to come on, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, and maybe someday we'll get to, like, uh, walk-up music, you know, when we come on or something. But I was, I was, it was great. So, anyway, that's just a, as an aside. But yes, to more, to more serious uh, topics. Yeah, look, the clip that you just played is... Um, um, I think a growing sentiment, um, not just among Republicans, by the way, but also among Democrats that, you know, there's a few people in each chamber that try to, um, control the entire agenda and people are boxed out of it. And you end up with a situation like we're going to have here, probably like in a day, um, where you say, well, we've, we've pre-negotiated this, you know, temporary spending package. You either support this, uh, even though you don't have any opportunities to amend it, or you're for a government shutdown. I think people are tired of it. This this uh, sort of hostage taking has been exposed, and I'm just not going to go along with it. I did like I, in the clip. I didn't get elected to do that. I'm not some yes man um, for what other people want to do. I might agree with it, but people have to have the ability to affect legislation, and I think that's what people think happens up here, but it isn't right now. Um, this what these you know omnibus monstrosities are. They're concocted in the back room by. Chuck Schumer and a couple other people, and then unveiled like stone tablets that no one can change. And uh, I'm just not going along with that. So, so my no votes on these kinds of things are yes votes for reform. Senator Schmidt, I I, I want to throw you what I think is a high hanging curve here, and it may sound uh, not that way, but here goes. You know, it's interesting that in the clip that we played, you mentioned, you know, doing things for the state. And it it seems as though the rules of the road now, in terms of the relationship of the federal government with people in the various states, is that the federal government plunders the people's money and then gives us back a little bit of morsel of it if good senators like you and Senator Hawley and and our our congressional delegation can can snatch back as much as you can for us. That seems to me so far away from the the government that governs least is the government that governs best kind of a philosophy. Is there any hope that we can ever get back to letting the people of Missouri spend their money so that, frankly, you just don't have to fight so much to get a little bit of it back for us? Uh, it's a great point, and so let me take a swing at that that hanging curveball. Um, uh, I think it also is a reflection of um, a lack of understanding by many in in the Congress of what the role of the federal government actually is. It, you know, it's not a federal government, state government, local government in that order. It is the states came together to to agree unanimously on a constitution, on the limited powers that the federal government is supposed to have. The powers that the federal government doesn't have are retained by the states. And so I think my time in state government 
um, gives me a greater understanding of what that relationship. Being attorney general, having sued the federal government for overreach umpteen times, certainly gives me a view of the proper role of the federal government. And, um, and and I think that we've lost that somewhere along the way, that, that uh, this behemoth here in Washington isn't the place where all the solutions come from. I can promise you that. Um, and so to your point on the more practical side, yeah, we should be doing more to say block grant to states and let states come up with their own solutions because certainly Missouri's solution to a problem may be very different than Illinois's, which may be very different than South Dakota's. And that's how the system was set up, our system of federalism. And it also was meant to disperse power vertically and horizontally. That's why we have the separation of powers. No one branch or person gets too powerful. And it's separated because we've got these 50 states, which are you know, different compositions, and they send different people to Washington. And so whenever we talk about this appropriations process or spending money or tax cuts or whatever we ought to be do- doing, every member, 100 members in what's supposed to be the world's most deliberative body should have a say in that. And again, getting back to that first clip, that's really what I'm fighting for. Senator, talk to us about Mitch McConnell's announcement and who's going to end up with the top job. Yeah, so that was a bit of a surprise yesterday, um, as far as the timing goes. Um, and, you know, I appreciate his service. He's, he's been here a while and, um, and I'm, you know, relatively, I'm like the new guy sitting back, uh, <laughs> uh, and observed a lot in my, in my 14 months, but there's a really unique opportunity, I think coming up these, um, uh, leadership kind of positions don't come up very often. Um, and I think we're in a good position to take the majority back, uh, in November. And so whoever is selected will have a very important role to play in what the agenda looks like, not just for our Republican conference here, but for the American people, which is my chief concern. And so, you know, I'm going to be having conversations with everybody that sort of throws their hat in the ring. And I'm going to be looking for someone who's reform-minded, um, you know, a, a conservative leader. And uh, we'll see what that ultimately looks like. There's a lot of real estate between here and there. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's going to begin in earnest here. Uh, th- those kind of leadership races um, don't take long to formulate. But I don't know if we know everybody that's going to be involved yet. Senator, we appreciate you joining us live. I had a chance to visit with your colleague at the Missouri Capitol just this week, Jason Smith, who chairs Ways and Means. He filed for re-election. And the big issue he talked to me about was Social Security, and he says it will be insolvent by 2032-2033. In fact, he said his grand, his mother is on it, 80 years old, and uh, most of the people in his district, many of them on it as well. I just was back at my parents' retirement home a few weeks ago, Senator, and you've, you talked to a lot of these folks. Um, several of them told me they can't afford hearing aids. They need to, they rely on a bus to get to go to the doctor. They're basically living on Social Security. Not basically, they are. Many of them mm-hmm. to- told me that. You hear it all over the state, Senator, I'm sure. What can be done to protect these folks to make sure they get the Social Security they were promised? Well, we just have to make sure that it is, in fact, protected. And I think that um, <clears throat> with $34 trillion in debt, and that number is going to be $40 trillion before you know it because of a lot of the reckless spending that we do every year. I'll give you this year, for example, the federal government takes in about $5 trillion. That's a record. Okay, Just a few years ago, in 2019, we were spending $4 trillion. Joe Biden wants to spend $7 trillion. Um, and so I think that's the disconnect. We can, fi- we can control spending and protect Social Security at the same time. The amount of money that is spent in this town on things that aren't 
Social Security or aren't uh, Medicare. It's a lot of dough. And uh, the interest we're now paying on our debt is almost a trillion dollars. That's more than we spend on our military. So we've got to get serious about this. The other factor is with inflation, the inflation that we've seen, um, you know, folks who are on fixed income, those dollars don't go as far as they used to. That's a real issue. So energy policy is very important, right? If you declare war on domestic energy production like the Biden administration has, the cost of everything goes up through the supply chain. And that sticker shock at the grocery store every week is real. That's what people are feeling. And then when you have that kind of inflation, guess what happens? The Fed chases that with higher interest rates. And now it is literally twice as expensive to buy a home um, for anybody than it was just a few years ago. So you can see how these disastrous economic policies that are, that are just, you know, the Democrats are just hell-bent on spending more and more money has a, you know, a cascading effect on people's lives, especially those, you know, our seniors who are on fixed incomes. Now, we expect to see Biden and Trump both at the border today. Uh, you have had a lot to say about the border. Is there any hope in getting anything done other than just electing a new president in November? Well, Mike, I think, you know, you're going to see a split screen today between President Trump down at the border. And when he left office in December of 2020, we had the lowest level of illegal immigration that we've had in 40 plus years. Okay. That was under the law that existed then. Those laws are still on the books. Joe Biden reflexively, when he came in in day one, stopped deportations eliminated something called Operation Talon, which was to deport um, previously convicted sex offenders from other countries who are here illegally. Now, I know there's a lot that divides us, but you would think that we could agree that we should deport sex convicted sex offenders who are here illegally, but evidently that was too much. He got rid of Remain in Mexico, Title 42. When I was AG, we were fighting him on this, and we held that off for a while. But all of the open borders crowd now, they've got what they wanted. They got what they wanted, and now we have 9 million people here illegally. People who are coming are, are, are encountered at the border and then released into the interior of the United States. Many are given court dates sometime in the 2030s. This is not, no country in the history of the world has willingly ceded its own border, but I think it's a result of the people who are in charge now, including Joe Biden and Mayorkas and the people around them, who believe that these lines, borders, which, you know, sort of define our sovereignty, are just arbitrary lines on a map. And so it's no longer the theoretical discussion from some PhD writing a white paper. We're living it. It's in this country. And so I think you're going to see that contrast uh, when people look at that today. And that's also going to be a reflection of what happens, I think, in November. Um, you can talk about the anything you want to talk about, but th- the border issue is number one right now in people's minds. And I don't think that that's going to go away in the next six months. That's Senator Eric Schmidt joining us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Senator, you mentioned Alejandro Mayorkas. He's been impeached by the House. Uh, It's crickets chirping in terms of when and how a Senate trial will be conducted. What's the story? Well, Chuck Schumer wants to to do something, make a procedural move, which is to table it. So what happens is the articles of impeachment will come over from the House. They're presented, they're read, and senators are sworn in, and a trial is supposed to happen. In 20, this has happened 21 times in our nation's history. In 17 of those, a trial was, well, came to fruition, guilt 
or not guilty was determined by the Senate. In four instances, the, the, the people who were impeached were no longer in office or were dead. So in every instance where they came over, we had a trial, and it came to a conclusion. What Chuck Schumer wants to do has never happened in the history of our country. And I think, and not only is it wrong for this particular case, it sets a very dangerous precedent that articles of impeachment, which are supposed to go to a trial and be adjudicated, you can vote how you want on it ultimately, but you're not supposed to be able to afford this like Chuck Schumer's wanting to do. So that's going to play out. I imagine that'll happen after these you know, um, spending bills and continuing resolutions are handled in the next week or two. I think those articles will be presented, and then we'll see what happens. But Schumer has certainly signaled that he wants to just table this, which he's not supposed to be able to do. Yeah, procedurally, it's just an outrage that he doesn't conduct this like he was so eager and zealous to conduct the Trump trials. Uh, oh, yeah. Do, do you have a leaning of uh, having not, I know you haven't heard the evidence yet, and as a as a uh, future judge in this case, I understand. Do you have a leaning based on what you know so far? On how you'd vote. Well, I certainly think they had cause for the articles of impeachment, it, you know, as a, as a potential and likely juror here. I don't get too far ahead of it. But I will say one thing that people aren't talking about too much um, when they talk about violations of, the, of current law, there's something people being paroled into the United States. This is under existing law. These are supposed to be individual adjudications. Like if you come here and you're seeking asylum, or, you know, what you can be paroled, but it's supposed to be a, a, an individualized decision. What they're doing is they're categorically get paroling people in the United States if you're from a certain country. That's illegal. That you can't do that. That has accounted for millions of people who are in our country now who should have been turned away. And... Um, Anyway, so that's just one piece of it. We'll, yeah. we'll uh, certainly see what the facts and the evidence present. But, yeah. um, I mean, there's no question, um, Mayorkas, if there was a Mount Rushmore of terrible cabinet members <laughs> in the history of our country, he'd be on there. All right. We, uh, we really are grateful for your time, Senator Schmidt. And thanks for your very forthright answers. It's, uh, it's refreshing to have straight-ahead, no-dodge answers. And uh, we really appreciate that. We look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. All right. There he is, Eric Schmidt. Always, always great things to say. Doing a great job. Yeah, we can be proud of yep. our senators our, and our congressional delegation. Our congressional delegation, we can really be proud of them. He'd hit a triple probably yeah, out of yeah. that, I think out that, of that low-hanging fastball. Well, and I think that congressional <laughs> baseball tournament's coming back up soon, right? He he performed yeah. well That's in the right. last Big one. star. That's yeah. true. John,